What's going on, everyone? Wesley Shoemaker, Aaron Parker, back with you with the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. Safe to say things have not gone as planned for the West Virginia basketball team. Mountaineers have lost nine straight now and have lost two in a row. And things do not get any easier as they welcome a top 10 team in Kansas into the WVU Coliseum this Saturday night. Aaron, how are you doing? How's your uh, how's your week been? And uh, thoughts on this basketball team over the last two games? I'm doing good. Week's been good. The weather's warming up. Um, but uh, the, the basketball team hasn't been too good. Not many bright spots there. Um, I thought they, they played a good half, maybe a little bit more than a half um, in Manhattan. And then the, the wheels just kind of came off. They got um, just allowed too many buckets. 39 free throws for Kansas State, and they just, I don't know, way too many chances down the stretch for Kansas State, and they couldn't hang on. Frustrating to see. And then if you want to talk about frustrating, the Saturday before at Oklahoma State was embarrassing to say the least. So um, Hoops team is not in a good spot right now. Yeah, it's been it's been rough out, outside of the WVU Coliseum with both men's and women's basketball teams recently. Both teams are struggling, and both teams just are not finding their groove. Speaking of the men's team not finding their groove, Saturday was just ugly. I think we both thought, and I think most people thought that are fans of this team and that watch this team, they would they look a little different after their win against Iowa State. You felt like, oh, it was a turning point. Things were different. It, it wasn't different. The Mountaineers lost by 23, I believe it was. Um, they did not look good, especially defensively. Oklahoma State seemed to get whatever they want. It was lob city there for a minute for Oklahoma State. And then West Virginia struggled to score. Um, I think that's been the story of these last two losses. There's been stretches where this team just hasn't scored the ball. And you have to score if you're not playing defense. And they allowed Oklahoma State to shoot, I think it was 48% from the field in the loss. And when you're doing that, you've got to score more. But they only shot 31% themselves from the field. And I think that's just the storyline of how this season has gone, a team that doesn't have an identity. There's nothing that they can rely upon. It's not like they can go drive to the basket. It's not like they're a good jump shooting team. It's not like they're a good defensive team. They're searching for an identity, searching to just try and scrape by and get wins. And it's the middle of February, seven games left if you include the conference tournament guaranteed game. Things are getting bleak here for the Mountaineers who are going to have to go on a stretch of beating some really good teams if they want a shot at the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The um, game in Stillwater was just – it was just utterly embarrassing to say the least. Just, you know, sub-60 and scoring points, and they just struggled all day, the Mountaineers did, and then defensive effort was just not there. As far as Kansas State goes, 73 points, I mean – if you're a Mountaineer fan, you might live with that with this team. Um, but they went on a, another classic WVU, just you know, not scoring enough. They they'll they'll get on a streak where they just stop scoring, and it proves to be fatal for them. They did that in Manhattan. They gave up too much outside of Nigel Pack, who only had 13, but they let Noel score 21. Uh, Smith had 17. Another score in double figures off the bench. It was just not not enough. Uh, defensively and then if you're looking ahead it's it's not it's not any easier you got Kansas coming to town which is going to be a big game but um, some bracketologies have some kind of 60 some percent of W making the tournament I'm not sure 
if I buy that, considering the, the strength of schedule to remain. Teamrankings.com has West Virginia, as you said, 67.5% chance to make the tournament. It looks like their magic number that they're predicting is 18 wins, gives them a 98% chance to make the field. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this team ends up as a first four game if they do make the field. Uh, wouldn't necessarily, I don't think, be a bad thing. I think they'll take whatever they can get, and I think winning the first four game kind of gives you some momentum in that regard. But finding four wins on a schedule – with seven games left, that includes a ranked Kansas team, a ranked Texas team, on the road at Oklahoma, on the road at Iowa State, and then TCU twice. It's They're not favored to win any of those games, according to Ken Palm, besides the TCU game at home to end the season. So they're going to have to find some sort of magics. They're going to have to pull something out of their hat. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to write the ship. And it starts Saturday. Um, you can't, you can't pass up home games at, when you're going to have a full crowd, full Coliseum. Kansas, Bill Self, he's struggled uh, since West Virginia came to the Big 12. West Virginia 6-3 and three against him inside the WVU Coliseum. I think, yes, Kansas beat them by 26 the first time. I know a little later we'll get into a preview for Kansas, but I think it's a big game that you have to win, but also you've had to win the last three weeks, and they've only done that once. One thing I want to get to for the Kansas State game is free throws. I know – Late in that game, uh, Damon Kerrigan kind of closed out on a three-point shooter, fouled him. He went to the line, three free throws, kind of kind of just changed the tide. Because if you get a stop there, you have the ball with the chance to take a lead. And unfortunately, two minutes left, he fouls him. Kansas State then goes up by four. And West Virginia just couldn't get anything going offensively in the final couple of minutes. But free throws. Kansas State made 31 on the night. Uh, West Virginia made only 20 on the night. They only missed four, however, which is a good sign. They've, they've really turned their free throw shooting around, which is crazy. But Aaron, when a team finds 31 of their 78 points at the line, I just don't think you're going to realistically beat a team like that because that's 30 points. That's as many points as you scored in a half, in a single half, as they scored at the free throw line. Clock stopped, easy points. I think it's, that's not a recipe for success. That's more of a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Um, definitely not the game plan um, that WVU was, um, that WVU had. But what I saw when I watched was just too much, too many times guards like Nigel Pack and especially Noel, who scored 21, they'd get ISOed with somebody like Kerrigan or it's usually Cottrell on a switch it's it's not part of the game plan but that would be the what would happen and it'd be you know the balls in either Packer Noel's hand or Smith's hand or something like that at the top of the key with Isaiah Cottrell on them um not a knock on Cottrell but he's not going to stay with those guys those shifty six foot guards five foot ten guards that are you know filling it up all night he's not going to stay with them um and I saw that happen too much not enough help side defense and it it caused too many layups and then fouls. If somebody would come help, they would foul them. Um, and with no Gabe in there, it, it didn't, you didn't, there was no option to stand there and take a charge. Cause let's face it, nobody else on this WB team is going to stand in there and take a charge. Um, so that's what I saw as far as K-State getting the foul on. Gabe 
not playing, I think is a bigger deal than Huggins made it. He said, we're going to have respect for the program. We're not going to disrespect the people who've played here, the coaches who've coached here, things like that. But I also think there comes a point in time where you've got to put winning as a priority. And I think if this team was the last year's team where you are winning games and you're a lock for the NCAA tournament, Benjamin's one thing, but you get paid to win games. And yes, you want to have good people in your program, but I don't think Gabe's outbursts and him getting three technical fouls in two games is a sign of him being a bad person. I think it's just a sign of frustration. And I think, yes, they got things out of Isaiah that Gabe couldn't give them, but I just think, especially defensively, Gabe gives you something that no one else can give you. And I think it was missed. Yep, absolutely. Um, no knock on hugs, but yeah, it's it's a completely different scenario from last year's team. If you go down to Manhattan at this point of the year last year, you can give a game. You know, you're that team's going to the NCAA tournament. This team is is frustrated. A guy like Gabe Osaboyan, he gives a hundred ten percent every time. He's the one guy you don't have to question. You know why he wants to do what he's doing, why he wants to be here. He always shows it, and Mountaineer fans like him and his efforts because of that. But um, sometimes he can get a little um, out of control with um, with his temper and stuff like that. But in a game like that, you, you have to have Gabe in there. Um, I don't know what he said in Stillwater to him. It must have been pretty bad. It must have – I think it challenges authority. It challenged Hugs' authority, whatever he said. Well, Hugs kind of snap at him when he yeah. was – he was like – If he was just – if he was just complaining, I don't think Hugs would do anything. If he was just, you know, talking or cursing or whatever, but he probably said something to challenge his authority and Hugs just went off. That's that's what I think happened. I do think, though, there is a, a point to be taken that Gabe now knows what's acceptable and what's not. Not saying he didn't before because he's been in this program for three years, but when you're going to be in desperation for the next seven and you're going to need guys like him who've been there, done that to step up. I think him knowing, okay, there's been a line drawn now, so let's not cross it. Let's do what we have to do. Let's let me do what I have to do. I think that's important. And I think him realizing his importance to the team, like seeing how they need him, especially on the defensive end. I think that a light bulb hopefully went off in his head, like, okay, they rely on me just as much as I rely on them. Let's let's figure this thing out and let's get going. Yep, I hope, you know, if you're a Mountaineer fan, you would hope that coming back home for the Kansas game, Gabe will come out and, you know, play with even more fire than what he already does. He, he plays with so much fire. But hopefully this whole little debacle doesn't give him some bad taste. Hopefully it just gives him motivation and just fuels his fire too to play his best basketball going forward because, you know, even though you got double digits from Cottrell, I mean, let's face it, the interior play is still really bad. Um, and in a game that's going to be the most emotional of the year probably against Kansas, you're going to need Gabe to be on that court as much as possible, taking as many charges as possible, deflecting as many balls as possible, and he needs to be out there with um, with a lot of fire. You say, you say the word emotion, and I think that's also critical here he can be too emotional and get wrapped up in the emotion of the game. And I think him needing to separate himself and separate the 
good and the bad is vital because then he can be he can he can do what he has to do while not letting the emotion dictate his actions and I think in the last two games when he's gotten teed up at halftime against Iowa State and then twice against Oklahoma State uh, I think he's let his emotions dictate his actions and I think even though it'll be an emotional game a high intensity game a game where everyone knows they're desperate I think he knows what he's going to have to do speaking of uh, just Kansas in general, West Virginia has gone to a different starting lineup in the past three games. Obviously, for the Iowa State game, they switched things up, put Pauly into the starting lineup, as well as inserting Kobe Johnson into the starting lineup. They did the same thing on Saturday against Oklahoma State. But then on Tuesday, they went back to their first original starting five with Isaiah and Keedy. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I think Paulie gives you something, especially on the glass, that Isaiah doesn't, but Isaiah gives you scoring flexibility that Paulie doesn't. Um, so I think it's more of a matter of what do you need done. I think Paulie is better to go against Kansas and bang around inside than Isaiah is. So I would not be surprised if Paulie does get the start on Saturday or if Paulie's minutes exceed Isaiah's minutes. But I also think Kobe will be used more against Kansas than Keedy because Kobe's a better ball handler and a better point guard than Keedy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not really sure. To your point about the interior play, um, you know, I could see Pauly starting because of him being more physical on the glass. Isaiah is not going to be able to bang around at all with Kansas. But with, with Cottrell scoring 13, and I think Keedy – Kitty scored 15. He only missed a only missed one jumper, and he gets to the line. I feel like Hugs is going to go with the original starting five against Kansas. But to your point, I will not be surprised if Paulie's minutes exceed Isaiah's because we've seen that multiple times where Isaiah would start and then boom, he's playing six minutes, and Paulie's playing most of the game or or Demon or somebody like that. So I could see that happening, especially if Isaiah goes in there and gives up a board or two. Um, to your point with Kobe. I think he does bring the ball up the four a little bit better. Obviously, he's a freshman, so he needs more time and more game experience. But, you know, Keedy's had some turnover problems this season. But, you know, after scoring 15 against K-State, I wouldn't be surprised if he got the start as well. Yeah, I think points matter, but I also think turnovers, as you said, matter. Keedy took care of the ball, one turnover to go along with his 15 points. If he can complement himself like that, he's super valuable. But then – if you take a look at Oklahoma State, he had no points and 13 minutes of action and just really wasn't effective. And then you had a guy like Malik Curry, who in 20 minutes of play gave you 13 points. So I think it's just finding a right mix of which point guard out of those three uh, gives you the best chance to win. And I think they all have to be willing to sacrifice minutes, sacrifice scoring, sacrifice whatever to give themselves the best chance to win. Yeah, and with Malik Curry, I don't know. There's just some kind of feeling. I have a feeling that he's going to play the best out of the guards outside of Taz. You know, Taz is kind of on an island on his own just because of how much he scores. But as far as, like, you know, Kobe, Kedrian, and Malik, and maybe even Sean, I have a feeling uh, Malik's going to get downhill, downhill well against Kansas. Maybe get somebody like Abaji in, in some foul trouble. Um, and maybe finish. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he had a bigger game um, because 
he didn't even score against Kansas State. Oh, two. Didn't get many minutes, so. Time against Kansas, though, if I'm not mistaken, he did play really well. He got to the foul line. I think he, I think he got like 11 points from the foul line. Oh, he played great in Lawrence. He was uh, the big bright spot. He was the leading scorer for the Mountaineers down there in Lawrence. There wasn't much to be happy about, but he did play good against Kansas the last time, so I say why not do it again? I think Malik, the way he can handle the ball through traffic is something that no one else can give you on this team. And I think the way he can finish at the rim and get to the line and be consistent at the line is also something no one else gives you on this team. One thing to note is Sean's been super streaky lately. He's either been real hot or real cold. And I think that comes along with just the way he plays the game. But he's also not been taking as many shots as we are accustomed to him taking. He took six against Kansas State, five against Oklahoma State. I think he took five, I'm not sure though, five against Iowa State. He's not shooting the ball as much, which I think isn't a good thing. Obviously the return of Taz Sherman means he won't be shooting as much, but it means he should be shooting a little bit more because more eyes are on Taz. I think Sean's kind of shied away from shooting the ball sometimes. I feel like he thinks if it's not a perfect look or if it's not a desperation heave, like kind of like falling away like he did at Baylor, then it's not a shot he should take and he will pass it up. But if I'm if I'm Coach Huggins, I want Sean to keep shooting no matter what. Yeah, I honestly don't know why he's not shooting more. You said, you know, with Taz being back, he's going to take less shots. I know, like he's got to start shooting the ball more. Six shots and then five in Stillwater, that's that's – that's almost unacceptable. I mean, he's got to launch the ball. He's even if he's shooting at a bad clip or a bad percentage, WVU needs him shooting the basketball. Um, they need him to see it go down and and living with him taking three three pointers. That's that's not good enough, um, especially when you have somebody. I mean, Taz is going to take a lot of shots, but Jalen Bridges taking eight shots, Isaiah control fourteen shots, and you're talking about Sean McNeil hoisting up three threes. No, like that's that's not a good game plan. And maybe it's in their game plan to get them in more and get them um, more active. But maybe it's something with Sean not getting open. Um, you know, he's been stagnant sometimes trying to get himself open. So maybe it's maybe those are both contributors, but he's got to shoot the ball more than three times. Yeah. And now moving on to Kansas, Jayhawks have won four out of their last five and all five games. They've scored at least 70 points. Um, they beat down on Baylor. They beat Iowa State by nine, lost to Texas in a close one on the road, and then beat, up, beat down on Oklahoma State earlier this week. Obviously, as we noted before, Kansas and Morgantown favors West Virginia. I just think it's, it's a different environment. They're used to having the crowd behind them. And although every Big 12 arena is crazy, I don't know why, but the Coliseum seems to hate Kansas a little more. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Do you think this team has what it takes to at least push Kansas a little harder? Obviously, being at home is, is different than being on the road at Allen Fieldhouse. But we saw this team go toe-to-toe with them in the first half, and then the wheels just fell off in the second. Do you think they can put together at least a 35-minute stretch of good basketball? Or do you think Kansas is just too good? A little bit yes and no. I, I've watched this Kansas team a lot. They're really, really good. So on paper, yeah, I think they're too good. But I think WV is going to come out and play a good game. They're going to play inspired. I think it's going to be kind of like a scenario like the Baylor game 
the Baylor home game where it's a big crowd. Hopefully it uh, doesn't start the way the Baylor. Yeah, the Baylor start was bad. I don't, I don't foresee it going like that. But it was a competitive game, and Baylor just ended up being the better team. I foresee something like that happening. I mean, when Kansas comes to town, it's, it's always the best crowd of the year. WVU's won six out of, what, nine since entering the Big 12. And even going back, like – Oh, oh, against Kansas. I against Kansas. Against Kansas, my bad. They're, some of their best teams beat Kansas, but even, like, the year WVU had a losing record with um, the year after Javon Carter graduated, WVU still beat Kansas at home. Kansas was, like, number eight in the country. So it just means a little bit more. So I do think WVU's going to come out inspired. It's going to be a loud crowd, and they're going to play good basketball. Are they going to win? I, I don't know because they just – Kansas has so much with Agbaji. I mean, you're talking about a top three player in basketball and you got the uh, inside presence of McCormick and then you got Wilson. They're just really good. You speak of their depth there with how – with McCormick, Agbaji, and those guys on the inside. They, they're just so deep and they have talent at all five positions. And I think – when you don't have someone who can go inside and grab rebounds, they they can just beat you on the glass. And then a shooter of, of theirs, they're eventually going to make a shot because they're just that good. And I think that's the problem for West Virginia. And I think that's what's plagued them a lot this season is they don't have a guy that can go get those rebounds and second chance and points. And then they get, then they miss again. And then they get another rebound. Teams are going to make 30% of their shots. And so when you give a team three looks, on every offensive possession, I think it it causes reason to, for concern and it causes teams to think, okay, we don't have to make everything. There, there isn't as much pressure on every shot. And then they kind of can relax and feel more comfortable in their offense. What do you think? Yeah, and they can feel more comfortable in a different way just because of how many guys they have that are just pure scores. You got McCormick's one of the best big men in the country. We didn't even mention Christian. Leads, leads the league in scoring. Yeah, and he's been there for many years to where, you know, he's got experience. We didn't even talk about Christian Brown. They got Abaji, but if if Abaji for some reason is not hitting, you got Jalen Wilson, you got Christian Brown averaging 15 a game. You got guys that can take the load off. WVU, if Taz is struggling, if Taz is one of eight from the field, who's scoring? You know, you're hoping Malik Curry gets to the line. Then, then maybe you'll get a score out of Malik or somebody like that, but – they just have so many weapons to where if a Jalen Wilson goes absent, somebody's going to pick up his slack because they're really good. One thing, though, is this crowd is going to be hungry. They're they're hungry for a win. They've gotten one since January, basically, if you want to go all the way back to the beginning of January. And they're going to get a good Kansas team on a Saturday night, on a cold Saturday night. It's going to be, I think it's like a high 34 degrees. I looked earlier today on the weather. Um, just to look at it. It's going to be a cold Saturday night, middle of February, team that needs a win. After, after they've been rested, this team came home after two games, and this Kansas game starts a streak of three games in five days, and I think they're going to need this win, and you go on the road for two after that. And If you don't beat Kansas and then you lose Monday, your season's over, um, unless you go win your conference tournament. But that's conversation for another day and very unlikely. So – I think winning Kansas, winning, beating Kansas is not easy and it's not going to be easy, but I do think it's doable. It just is a matter of 
West Virginia has to show up in every facet of the game. They can't have these eight-minute stretches, these six-minute stretches where they don't get points because Kansas is just so good of a team that they're going to take advantage of that. Yeah, you said um, you said if you lose to you know Kansas and then go TCU on Monday and lose your season's over. I I don't know with with all the losses this team has experienced, this is going to be such a good environment, such a good game. For a team that's what what are what what are the Mountaineers three and what eight in conference play or something three like nine that in conference play three and nine in conference play and yet it's still going to be a, a packed environment a loud environment and they better come out with their best ball because if they don't I don't know it, I just see if WV loses then it's going to be tough to pick that back up and just like get mo- get momentum um, but if WV does win that game wins a close game, wins on a game-winning shot, or, or wins. just wins, just wins, just win. then, then maybe they can get some momentum rolling because that's going to be the biggest game of their season. And if they lose in a heartbreaking fashion or they go out and get thumped, then it's going to be hard to, to get anything wrong. Yeah, you're talking about confidence here. And I think when they're going to – what West Virginia has is a seven-day – a week stretch where they play four games and they play – Two at home, two on the road, one in one's in Iowa, the others in Texas, and then they go to more. Like it's a crazy schedule what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna like if you think about it, eight o'clock Saturday night means they're gonna travel Sunday. They get there Sunday mid-afternoon, evening, practice Sunday night, game Monday night, get to Ames Tuesday morning, play Wednesday night, come back, play, and then play a good Texas team on Saturday. Like if you if you get the first one and then you kind of have another like back to back to back games here, I think getting that first one if they do get the first one could hopefully lead to confidence in these guys and kind of spread to these next games. But as you said, if they lose, I just don't see how you how you then on a quick turnaround on the road get fired up and want to play. One thing looking at the Big Twelve standings, Kansas is. First in the conference, um, which doesn't surprise any of us, I don't think. Uh, they're ten and two in conference. West Virginia is in the complete opposite direction, last in the conference at three and nine. As we said, they need four wins, and if they get, if they can steal one against the top ten team at home, that's obviously big. And then, kind of just plug and play from there on out. And I think that's West Virginia's best chance at getting those four wins and getting to that eighteen win mark. Yep, yep, starts with that Kansas game, and you talked about kind of that brutal schedule. If you get the Kansas game and get a, you know, get momentum, you can kind of look at it as a NCAA tournament, Big 12 tournament kind of feel. It's like, okay, you played one, emotional game, hard game. Well, there's no time to, to really rest. You got another one. You got a head on a flight. And so they're going to have to treat it like that, but it's so vital to get that first game um, because losing nine out of your last ten, does not put you in a good spot. And, you know, we've been saying for how many shows now, it's like a must win. It's almost not even worth saying that, but it's the biggest game of the year, and I don't even think it's close. One thing I worry about is how fresh Taz Sherman is. This team runs through Taz, and he just had his concussion. He's played three games since coming back from the concussion. Obviously, his legs are back on a game-to-game basis. But when you have four games in a week, that third and fourth game, it could get 
it could get ugly where he's playing, especially with Sean too. These two guys are some of the top two guys in the league in usage rates and minutes per games. And when you have guys that play this, this, this number of minutes, and then you have, you're asking them to do that on Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. I just think that could be leading West Virginia down a road. They don't want to travel, especially with fatigue as that sets in and just tired legs, especially when you get to Iowa state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a concussion is, is going to be wearing on somebody, especially a guy that's had apparently three of them now. So you'd hope that, you know, Tazwood is going to be good in, in those first two games or whatever. Um, but if WVU gets the ball rolling, he's going to have to be good for those three, third and fourth games. And Sean, it already kind of looks like fatigue has, has set in with him. So maybe with this little rest after the K-State game, you know, get a, get a few days under your belt, maybe he can come out and get the, the crowd fired up. I mean, I can foresee that happening if he gets, if he gets going, then maybe, maybe the fatigue will be behind him and um, he can give the Mountaineers like a good back third of the season or something like that. Yeah. Just an assumption going off of what we've been told from Huggins in the past is I, I assume they didn't practice hard Tuesday or today on Wednesday. I assume they will go hard Thursday and probably go somewhat hard on Friday. I could be wrong, obviously, but I bet, Tuesday and today, Wednesday, was more of a film walkthrough type day. And I think that is good for these guys. You're on the back half of a, of a schedule in the toughest conference in the league. You've lost a lot of games. Yes, you need to get better at things. But also, yes, you these guys need the rest. And I think playing on a Monday this past week is good, especially because you have a this, this four-game stretch coming up. But it's also good just because it gives you five days let's see. Yeah. Four or five days before your next game on Saturday. And so is it a tall order to be Kansas? Yes. Is it a tall order to win four more games? Even more so, but can this team do it? I want to say yes, but they're going to have to show me that and show everyone that on Saturday. And I think they, they haven't, they haven't been a team that they should not have beaten this year. Kansas is that opportunity on Saturday. Yes, you could argue UConn back in December was that. UConn didn't have their best two scores, best two players. So they, they've got to get marquee wins, and that first marquee win, hopefully for West Virginia, comes on Saturday. Yeah, they haven't beaten anybody uh, exceedingly uh, great this season. Um, Kansas is that opportunity. They're right there against Baylor in Morgantown. Couldn't really get over the hump, couldn't stop Matthew Ma uh, Meyer. Right there at Baylor, I know Baylor had a couple guys injured. Um, you know, they were close against Texas Tech, but couldn't make a shot in the second half. Close most of the game at Texas Tech. They've had chances, but you're at the back third of your season and you need every win possible. So Kansas is, is you know, that would be, it would be such a big win. Um, as, and then. Like, I don't want people to think, oh, it's Kansas. Oh, they're 21 and four. Oh, West Virginia is three and nine in conference play. This is, this isn't a win. Like, West Virginia can beat, I think, anyone in this conference, and I think they've shown that by hanging with these teams and losing just late in games and because they've taken stretches off from scoring. But it would just won't be easy. But they can beat Kansas. It's just a matter of what version of West Virginia shows up. Yeah, you got to wipe the slate clean for this game, write a new script. It's, it's Kansas coming to Morgantown. 
Um, like I said, what was it, 2018 or 19? WVU was – they weren't bad. They were they were terrible. I mean, they were not good at all. The team with Jermaine Haley at the end of the game there. Like, that they team beat Nova. That team was bad, really bad, and they still beat Kansas. Um, so, you got to wipe uh, wipe the slate clean. It's, it's you know, you're zero and zero at that point, especially if you're WVU. Maybe Kansas has a different mindset. But um, it's a big-time game, and no fans should not think, oh, you know, season's over yet. If the if Kansas comes in and thumps them, then yeah, maybe go ahead and thank that. But you know, you can't think that at this point. It's it's not a um, it's a very winnable game, and people need to think that. Welcome to the bubble, life, folks. That's what I'll say. Um, this team is a bubble team. This team has they had the opportunity to control their own destiny if they take care of business. It's just a matter of are they good enough to keep showing up and take care of business? And I think we will find that out on Saturday. As for picks this weekend, Aaron, um, there's a few really good games, intriguing games in the Big 12 this weekend. You got TC Baylor, then you got Texas Tech traveling to Texas and watch what will probably be some sort of fireworks show for that Texas faithful to defend their coach after he went into what was just a crazy environment in Lubbock. Then you got Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and then obviously Kansas, West Virginia. I'll go first with my picks. TCU, Baylor, Baylor's at home. I'm going to take Baylor. Texas Tech, Texas. I think Texas, they just won a close game against Oklahoma last night, and I think they're going to want to get revenge for their coach. Give me Texas there. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I'm going to take Kansas State on the road. I just think they're playing well enough, and they've won games that they sh shouldn't have won, um, but Kansas State isn't a bad team, and I think they're playing well enough to go beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, Iowa State, I'll take Iowa State at home, and then Kansas, West Virginia, I just think Kansas is going to be too much for these Mountaineers. I just think they have too much talent, and they have too much depth, and I think West Virginia – can even play a complete 40 minutes and still lose. That's how good Kansas is. And so I'm going to take the Jayhawks. Yeah, for um, I'm going to take I'm going to take Kansas as well for that game. I don't know. It's just it's so hard. I've seen so many good games with WVU um, in the college team against Kansas, but you know Kansas, like you said, WVU could play a, a complete 40 minutes and still lose. That's how good Kansas is. I agree with you. I think it's going to be an emotional loss for the Mountaineers. What were the other games? Uh, TCU, Baylor. They were at home? Yeah, Baylor. Texas Tech, Texas. You know, I watched that Texas-Oklahoma game, Red River rivalry. Texas Texas showed a lot of heart. Timmy Allen, brother of Teddy Allen, was so good last night. Give me Texas at home. They're going to be mad about losing that last game in Lubbock. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, in Stillwater. It's in Stillwater? Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go Kansas State. I mean, Kansas State's a good basketball team. I think they still won. And then Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Ames. Oklahoma. Uh, Iowa State has been really bad in conference play. Um, I know it was a, kind of an off game, but they didn't show me hardly anything in Morgantown. Um, so I'm going to go Oklahoma. One thing, one more thing for me. This team's 10th in the conference. They're last in a conference, and they still have a shot at the NCAA tournament on February 16th. Rare to say – I think it shows how crazy the Big 12 is and how crazy the season has been and can continue to be for West Virginia. It's been a roller coaster. They're obviously on the down part of it. Um, they can start that upward trend, though, on Saturday against Kansas. Yeah, but it's going to be such a great environment. Um, there's been so many, so many storied games in Morgantown with Kansas. Um, 
And it's, I think it's going to be another one like that. I just, I can't foresee any team running away with that game. Um, so yeah, it's going to be big time. Um, WVU just desperately needs a win. And like you said, I would just, it's so unbelievable to be February 16th and the last team in the conference still has a chance at the NCAA tournament. That's unheard of. That's just, it speaks to the volumes of how good the big 12 is. And if anybody has any argument against them, against the big 12, not being the best, I just, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. It's such a good conference up and down and Kansas leads the way just about every year. So it's going to be a big time game on Saturday. Yeah, top to bottom, Big 12 is elite, and there's no other way to put it. So that's all from us at the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. Aaron Parker, I'm Wesley Shoemaker. If you made it this far, we really do appreciate you listening. Be sure to follow us on all of our social channels, and be sure to read anything we put on BlueGoldSports.com. Once again, thank you for listening, and this is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast.